We've been talking about for the last uh, two weeks, well, at least the, the name of the messages I've entitled Tithes, Offerings, and Charitable Gifts. And to date we've covered, number one, giving to the ministry, and number two, giving to the poor and those that are in need last week. But tonight we're going to deal with the spirit of giving, and that is how to give. What spirit are we to have when we give, how we are to do it and how we are not to do it. You know, many times when we give or when we lend something to somebody, whether they be a needy person or whether they be a minister of Yahweh, we desire for people to be aware of it. And I think that if you're honest, you'll say that that has at least come in you at least one time since you've been in your walk with Yahweh. You know, I think often about, when I think about this subject, how that when I was growing up in church, as I began to get older, I noticed that there were what they called tithe envelopes behind each chair. And you would mark on them what you were giving to and how much money you were giving, and you'd put your name on it and your address and your phone number. And as I began to get older and older, I began to think, you know, I really believe that Yahweh would bless somebody if they just stuck some money in that envelope and gave it and didn't put their name on it or anything. Because they would really be doing it not for anybody to know how much they gave, not to be called up and patted on the back by the pastor, but simply that they were giving it for the work of the ministry and for the work of Yahweh. And that it didn't matter if anybody ever found out because it was between them and Almighty Yahweh. But you know, if you're anything like me, you've had thoughts in your mind, well, well, you know, I really need to put my name on there because they need to know where this is going, you know, and who's giving it. You justify it a little bit. You know, I remember I was going to send a, a minister a large amount of money one time. And my spirit was telling me just to send it and not put a return address on it. But my flesh was saying, well, you know, it'd be good to get a call from him and just get a thank you, you know. And it, you know, if I'm sending him the money. But my spirit said, no, just send it. He doesn't need to know who it's from. Yahweh knows, and that's who matters. In Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, we read one of his teachings, and he says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Some translations say that you do not your charitable gifts before men. It goes on and it says, To be seen of them, Otherwise you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, or thy charitable gifts, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have honor of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. We'll stop right there for a second. You think about, was he really saying that they literally sounded a trumpet? I mean, think about that, Brother Dan. You know, they get up there and they've got the shofar here on the one end and the man's got the, got the money there on the other end and they're walking by the treasury and the trumpet sounds and he makes sure everybody sees him place his 50 shekels or whatever into the basket or into the treasury. Or is, he just, is it just a metaphor? Is he saying, look, just don't do it to be seen? And we'll get to something like that in a second. But in verse 3 he says, But when thou doest alms, charitable gifts, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Verse 4, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. There will be an open reward for those that doeth their charitable gifts in secret. Not to be seen among men, but simply like I said before, that is between them and Almighty Yahweh. That's actually who they're giving to with the representative or the person that is presiding for the ministry of Yahweh but they're giving directly to Yahweh. 
In Matthew 23, verse 5, it speaks of the Pharisees and the hypocrites, and it says that all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. If anyone doesn't know what a phylactery was, it was worn by some of the Pharisees or many of the Pharisees in the times of the Messiah in the first century A.D., and it was a box on the forehead here. Or they took a literal interpretation of binding the law about their forehead. They would put a leather strap around and they would wear a box. Some of what we call the Jews still do that today. They wear those today. And that was a phylactery. And inside that phylactery were all the scriptures that said to bind them about your forehead, to write them between thine eyes, and things like that. Now, I don't believe that that's literal, but that's another subject. But they would make broad their phylacteries. You picture a man with maybe a little box and you picture one with a big box up there. Then it said, and they would also lengthen the tassels of their garments. That's what the, the literal translation would say there they would make broader flags and lengthen the tassels on their garments say brother Matthew you need to keep your tassels shorter but it says that they would do these things to be seen of men you know I don't I don't really believe that a broad phylactery was wrong or that a large tassel was necessarily wrong but it was the motive that was behind that person you know it's really easy to just put four tassels on and to put a phylactery on it's, and it's really easy to do things that other men can see you doing. But a lot of times it's hard to keep commandments that are between us and Yahweh, that no one ever sees us do. Men, the Bible says that if you look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Do you not realize that Yahweh sees everything? It doesn't matter if Brother Randy's there with me or Brother Paul. And they can't see my eyes look upon another woman and lust after her in my heart because Yahweh's looking. And there's other things. Thou shalt not covet. That's really not something that can be seen, but it can be seen by Yahweh. And if He sees that in secret, there will be no open reward. There may be an open punishment, an open chastisement. But you know what? In Matthew 5 and 16, start at verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14, the Messiah... Here it says again, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now what this is saying is this, is you know, when you let's say if you didn't have electricity, and you wanted to light a candle to see, you wouldn't take matches, light a candle, and then immediately after lighting the candle, put it in a, in a place where it didn't give any light to the house. No, you would take the candle that you lit and you would put it in the best place for that particular room or that particular setting or area that you had in mind and that you wanted light or needed light to be there. You understand that? That's what he's saying. You don't take light a candle and then put it under a bushel. And he's applying that to us spiritually, bringing forth the good news. 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and honor your Father which is in heaven. So here we're told to allow our good works to be seen. But the whole key is the motive is what the key is. Just because you do good works and they are seen doesn't mean that you're doing them to be seen. But there's some people that do works that are seen that are doing them to be seen. And they're keeping the letter of the law without keeping the spirit of the law. That's possible to do. But now keeping the spirit of the law, as Brother Arnold has shown, 
is not possible if you're not keeping the letter. If you're keeping the spirit of the law, not hating your brother in your heart without a cause, then I would pretty much bank that you're keeping the letter of the law, not physically killing thy brother. But you could be physically keeping the letter of the law, but not keeping the spirit of the law. You see what I'm saying? And this was no new teaching. This was not something that was more strict. As I had a man tell me just the other day, I've had it said to me so many times, that when the Messiah came, it was more strict. Now you couldn't even hate your brother in your heart. Do you really think that they could hate their brother in their heart without a cause under the Old Testament? Do you really think they could look upon a woman to lust after her in their heart under the Old Testament? No. It was against the law. Let me, let me remind you that when the Messiah made his statements in Matthew 5, it was not under the New Covenant. The blood had not been shed. It was still under the Old Covenant. And those things that he stated were the true interpretation of the laws of his Father. It had always been wrong to look upon a woman to lust after in her heart, another woman, to commit adultery. It had always been wrong to hate thy brother in thine heart without a cause. Those things had always been wrong. It had always been wrong to put away a woman except for fornication without a bill of divorcement. That had always been wrong. It wasn't anything new that the Messiah was bringing forth. But we are to let our lights shine among men. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3 through 3, talk about that we are written epistles known and read among all men. That means when they see our life that we live and our works we live, we glorify Yahweh by the actions that we portray. We're not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living Almighty. Not on tables of stone, but on fleshly tables of the heart. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. For it says, For the Almighty hath made us able ministers of the new covenant. Now, we're not to let our left hand know what our right hand doeth. I believe there's an idiom in there. But do you notice tonight, Brother Randy was the first one to show me this. It's been some time back. He may not even remember it. But do you know in 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks of the body of the Messiah as being hands and being feet, being eyes. And at least one interpretation there would be that you're not to let your left hand know what your right hand doeth. That is in the assembly. You know, Brother Arnold may be the right hand here in the assembly, and I may be the left. And if I give my alms, Brother Arnold, who is the right hand, doesn't need to know what this left hand's doing right here. And vice versa, even uh, vice versa, and also in the other sense, is that it is to be done in, in a secretive manner. You know, not that you're just so worried you're just walking around, you know but that you just really don't care if anybody sees. Because it's not about if they see. It's about if Yahweh sees. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10 states, quote, I, Yahweh, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The Holman Bible states, quote, I, Yahweh, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to to His way, according to what His actions deserve. End of quote. Yahweh knows, He sees, His eye is all-seeing. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The Bible says, For the word of Elohim is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divining asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of Yahweh is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a heart. The motives of a man. The Word of Yahweh is. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature 
that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Everything's open unto Yahweh's eyes is what that's saying. He knows the motives of a person. He knows when one gives out of his heart. And he knows when one gives to be seen among men. Yahweh knows. It doesn't matter if Brother Matthew knows. But it matters to Yahweh. And Yahweh sees and He knows the motive. And if our hearts condemn us, He's greater than our hearts, the Bible says. You know, not only when we give is it to be done before Yahweh and unto Yahweh in secret, and He gives us an open reward. But when we give, it's also to be done cheerfully. Second Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, although I'm not going to get into it in detail tonight, but this is a, one of the few passages in the Bible that mention the giving unto the poor saints of Jerusalem. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, the Apostle Paul commanded that each person was to lay by him in store, each man as he had prospered upon the first day of the week, that there be no gatherings when he came. And so they would lay by the person in store on the first day of the week. They would do this. That way when Paul came to collect from different areas, he didn't have to go ahead and decree that it was all to be gathered up at one time. And so, see, he gathered it when he got there, and then he took it. In Acts 24, it said, After many years I came to bring alms, which is money, and offerings, which is animals, to my people. And that was the fulfillment of the 1 Corinthians 16, 2 passage. Well, Apostle Paul wanted the people and the believers of Corinth to get in with this giving. And this um, poor saints of Jerusalem, they were in need. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Paul says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. That, as I said, ye may be ready, lest perhaps if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, speaking to Corinth, we that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Verse 6, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Anybody ever heard that verse right there? Every man according to what he has decided in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for Elohim loveth a cheerful giver. And Elohim is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 deals with sowing bountifully and cheerfully. In the context which we'll deal with here, the word sparingly in these verses is not understood to mean a little bit. It doesn't mean he that soweth a little bit will only reap a little bit. That's not what it's saying. Now preachers will tell you that's what it's saying. But sparingly in the context is meaning grudgingly. Sparingly, out of a not want to. He said, not grudgingly or of necessity. He said, Yahweh loves a cheerful giver. He said, if you sow sparingly, that it's not cheerful, it's not in your heart, you will reap sparingly. Some people don't have the means to give bountifully or a lot. And we'll get bountifully doesn't mean like what, what you're probably thinking right now either. But some people don't have the means to give a whole lot. They just don't have the means to do it. 
but yet they can still not sow sparingly. They can sow bountifully. Well, what does bountifully mean, Brother Matthew? Bountifully doesn't mean a whole bunch. Like we're thinking, it doesn't mean a whole bunch. The word bountifully in the Greek here is eulogia. You ever heard of the word eulogy? When someone gives a eulogy at a what? At a funeral? They give a little capping off of what the person's life was about or a blessing, so to speak, of the person. And that's what the word eulogia means in the Greek. That's what the word eulogy means, a blessing of the person. The Greek word eulogia is used 19 times in the Greek New Testament. And 12 out of those 19 times it's translated as blessings. The word bountifully in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, means cheerfully. He that soweth grudgingly or sparingly also reapeth grudgingly or sparingly. But he that soweth with blessings, eulogia, shall also reap with blessings. The person that sows cheerfully and not grudgingly, not a necessity, shall also reap. It's not saying that a person has to give away everything he owns. That's not what it's saying. Now, was that done at times? Well, we'll see that it was. But it's not saying that you have to give everything away in order to sow bountifully. You can give according to your means and it be a bountiful giving. You can be a rich man and give a whole bunch, but give of your surplus and it be sparingly. Because it really wasn't in your heart. You may have been doing it grudgingly. You may not have really wanted to do it. You may have just been doing it so the pastor or the elder knew that you was doing it. In Jacob chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. That word blessings is the same word translated bountifully in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. And that's just one example, but 12 times it's translated as blessings. And if you sow with blessings or cheerfully, you'll also reap with blessings. Luke 6.38, the Bible says, Give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And you know what? That's talking about even if you do your part, and the person that you give to doesn't do their part. Do you know Yahweh will still bless you for doing what you thought was His will and His plan? And what was His will and His plan? Even if that person, look, you may really think that the person's in need. You may really think they're going to use it for their benefit. You may really think that in doing so, as we said last week, you can heap coals of fire on their head, which means bring them to repentance. But then they just may not use that blessing that you blessed them with through the Word of Yahweh in giving. You'll still be blessed by Yahweh because it's a promise. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Now, if you give it sparingly or grudgingly, what you give, you'll reap grudgingly. But if you give it with blessings, you'll reap with blessings. It's the motive. Just because a person gives a whole lot, Brother Jerry, doesn't mean they are really giving a lot. Like I said before, a person can give out of their surplus and not really what they could give from their means. And it may seem like a lot, but it's really not a lot to them. Like we said before, they may only want to be seen among men. We may also say this, that Yahweh knows when someone has the ability to give more than they are giving. And I'm not, I'm not preaching to give me any money or anything like that, by any means. Don't take the wrong thing. But you know, Yahweh knows when you have the ability 
to give more, to whether it be to the work of the ministry or to the, the true poor and needy, then you're giving. Yahweh knows. Now, I'm not saying that you have to dig deep till it hurts, like they say. I'm not saying that you just keep on people wondering, well, why aren't we blessed? Why aren't we blessed? The pastor says, well, you're not giving enough. Well, honey, I know that, you know, let's just give this. Let's give this. We really don't have the means. Let's just keep giving this. And, I, and, and the whole time, the only one that's really, that it's really working for is the pastor. That's really the only one it's working for. He's the one that has the fine cars and houses and things like that. I hate to harp on them so much, but it's true. They, with feigned words and fictitious words, make merchandise of people. I don't care what anybody thinks about me saying that. That's the truth. That is the truth. Doesn't bother me one bit. I'll shout it from the rooftops. I'll say it over the radio worldwide. They are abusing their power in the ministry. And it's not right. They're sinning. And they will incur a stricter judgment. I would say it to them just as clear as I'm saying it to you. Would they take heed to it? I really don't think so because they've gotten so far off. I pray for them. I do pray. I, I do pray for the ministers today. Not all of them's like that. I'm not putting them all in the same basket. There's some true men out there that just simply just don't know a lot of truth. But they're striving. And they're wanting to do what's right. They're wanting to really feed the flock of Yahweh. They're wanting to really shepherd them. They're looking more after their souls than they are worried about their pocketbook. There's men out there that are like that. But you're always going to find the majority that they're not. And they make merchandise of people. The Bible says they do. Apostle Peter said they would, and it's coming true. The prophecy's coming true. I get stirred up. I don't mean to sound harsh. I don't mean to sound hard. Yahweh knows my heart. He knows my heart. But I want I gotta speak the truth. We're to give as we purpose in our heart. Let's turn to Mark chapter twelve. Mark twelve, verse forty one. We're going to read through verse forty three, and we're going to see about someone that truly gave from their heart. 12.41, it says, And Yahweh sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And so that shows that there are times when people did cast in, even though they were poor, things that were beyond their means. And I'm sure that Yahweh would bless her good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Do you know what she cast in there, mites? Through my study, it was it was a fourth. The word farthing comes from a, a corruption of the word a fourthing. It was a fourth of a penny, as we would call a penny today. Oh, 50 cents. Maybe it was a fourth of a dollar. fourth of a dollar. It seemed like I read somewhere a fourth of a penny, but there was something where there was a coin. It may have been a coin worth a dollar in our monetary system, but that it was cut in fourths. And uh, that's why they call it a fourthing or a farthing. That's what she cast in. But there were many more people casting in, much more than she was. But the Messiah said they cast in out of their, their surplus. They, they had it, and they really could have cast it in more. But this woman cast it out, or cast it in all that she had out of, out of her need. She needed it, but she cast it in. Yahweh still would bless her. He would bless her. She gave willingly. She gave with blessings. But the people that were coming by, doing it to be seen among men, the Messiah said, look, they got their reward. 
They got the reward. They really weren't casting in with blessings, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, or bountifully. They were casting in sparingly. You know what? They were, they were going to reap sparingly <laughs> for doing that. When we give as we're purposed in our heart, we remember that Yahweh knows the heart of man. Yahweh knows what we are able to give, and we never fool Yahweh. If we, one, give large amounts to be seen, two, give less than we should, or three, give grudgingly or out of a have-to and not a desire to please Yahweh, Yahweh knows these things. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. The Bible says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. That's speaking of giving. There's one that giveth and scattereth, but yet he increaseth. But then there's another man that holds more than meat, and he, he, and he turns to poverty. Verse 25, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. This could be applied to giving. Verse 26, He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessings shall be upon the head of him that selleth it, or selleth the corn. Dealing with giving. Dealing with scattering. Dealing with giving, and we must be done, or it must be done cheerfully. Turn to the New Testament, Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-three. Colossians three, verse twenty-three through twenty-four. The Bible says, "And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Master, and not unto men." Apply this to giving. Whatsoever ye do, whatsoever ye give, do it with blessings, and not sparingly. Do it bountifully, and not grudgingly. Do it not out of a necessity or out of a have to, but get to where you can do it because you love to give. And don't just do it because it will be given unto you. That's a great blessing and a promise that Yahweh's given us. But do it because you want to serve Yahweh. You want to further the ministry. You want to help the poor. You want to help the needy. You want to do things to further the good news and the call of the gospel. Verse 24, Knowing that of the Master... Ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the sovereign Messiah. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. He that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, but he that soweth with blessings shall reap with blessings. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah.